What is up, everybody? This is the Podcast, brought to you by the Wonderful Podcast Network. I am your host, Kevin Borba, and joining me for the second time, I believe, is Channing CJ Mummy, all the way out in Dallas, Texas, I believe, is where he's at for Christmas break. How we doing? Doing fantastic. It's a beautiful day for college football. We got two playoff games today. Looking forward to it. Two playoff games, a very intense matchup between... Ohio State, Georgia, TCU, Michigan. Everybody's going to be watching this. It's the best way to start the new year. I think the best way, the only way really to start the new year is to know who's going to be playing in the national championship, the college football championship. Um, This might be the most intriguing playoffs we've had so far, I would say. Um, But before that, um, Channing, who covers Texas for USA Today's Longhorn Dwyer, we're going to talk some Texas football. Uh, They had their... Alamo Bowl game the other day on I believe it was Thursday yeah it was Thursday um mm-hmm. didn't go as planned they came in as favorites I honestly thought the line was fishy I am in a pick 'em for all of the bowl games and I picked Washington to cover um, I definitely thought Washington had the advantage uh if we're being real I didn't think Texas had faced an offense like Washington all year and all these Alabama fans could get out of my mentions because your offense was not that good this year sorry sorry to be the one to the to relay the news to you um tell me what went wrong because Texas ended up losing 20 to 7 or 20 to 20 to 27 excuse me 20 to 7 would have been terrible for Texas fans they were already taking this loss roughly but mm-hmm. tell me what went wrong and what you saw I think, first of all, it's just a really bad matchup for Texas. All season long, the defense has improved, but the struggles were defending the quick, short passing game and some of the big plays. Um, they couldn't get to the quarterback, which Washington is excellent at protecting Michael Penix. He hadn't been sacked in like two months, which I found incredible. Um, but Washington runs doesn't run the ball very much, and we stopped the run well, so that didn't kind of set up defensively very much for us, especially not having DeMarvion Overshawn on that side. Offensively, we kind of got it going late, but that first half, just without Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson, just kind of just sleepwalking. Mm-hmm. Quinn ended up turning it on in the second half, but not enough, especially when his wide receiver one decided to have stone hands for a game. Yeah, his the amount of drops he had, I think they said 15 within the last year or so, I believe was the stat. Let me pull it up here. Not great. It's a pretty jarring stat. I think he has... Uh, 15 drops within the last year, which is like third in the FBS, which is kind of shocking that there's people with more, but um, that is a huge number for someone who is frequently toying with the Texas fan base, if you will, about whether he's going to be there. Um, does he need NIL money? Yeah. 15 times over two seasons. So third most in the FBS in that span. Um, Xavier worthy, I think has, and we were texting about it. He has like, all the talent in the world, but he may be the best receiver that can't catch like we've ever seen. Like it is impressive. Honestly, the last receiver that I remember having this many drop issues and I actually tweeted this was John Ross, who was kind of like, yeah, who was kind of similar to worthy, very fast can kind of punish you in a lot of ways, but he had the drop issues and it's kind of ironic that we saw that on against Washington um, yeah, I do think that not having Bijan and Roshan and DeMarvion was detrimental. Um, I think they rely heavily on them for leadership purposes. Um, when Stark took over, the whole thing was that Texas didn't have leaders and that they needed people to stand or step up. And those were kind of the guys that did so. And 
I honestly think it. I mean, I'm not anti them sitting out for the bowl game. I mean, you gotta do what you gotta do for your NFL career because we don't we don't want any Jalen Smith instances where you blow out your knee or break your leg like right before the draft and your draft stock takes a hit. But I do think it was a little interesting to see them on the sideline. Um, I wonder how bad they wanted to suit up. But the running game in the first half, to be honest, I think was terrible. I don't think Keelan Keelan Robinson's a running back. I'm gonna be honest. I think he's Absolutely like not. he's a slot receiver, or or if he is a running back, he needs to be like the guy that comes in for a jet sweep every once in a while. Mm-hmm. I don't want him being the lead back. I definitely wanted to see more Jonathan Brooks. Uh, it took a long time for Sark or Choice, who whoever is deciding personnel for running backs. It took them a long time to get Jonathan Brooks on the field, and then the defense honestly held up better than I thought they would. Uh, that first play from scrimmage where Washington launched it like 45 yards down the field, I was like, oh, no, this is going to be a long one for the Longhorns. Um, so what do you think Texas can build on moving forward? I think the biggest thing to build on is Quinn Ewer's performance. Um, he was the biggest bright spot in the game, especially in that second half. He had 240 yards. The completion percentage was up there, even with some of the late desperation plays in there and a few drops by Worthy. He looked a lot more comfortable in the offense. He kind of, I mean, even took a little bit of a leadership role um, without Bijan and Roshan there, and I, it was really encouraging to see. Um, I'm a big, I'm a big Quinn believer. I think he's was not ready to play this year, to be quite honest. I've said if Texas started Hudson Card, we would have played in the Big Twelve Championship game. Oh, but I think him playing this season is going to have a lot of benefit towards next year, and Quinn's going to light it up next year. Purdue Boilmaker. Hudson card. Um, Yeah, I think Quinn kind of got forced into the starting spot. I don't think, realistically, Mm -hmm. I don't think that was really a fair quarterback battle in terms of like Hudson card having a chance. I think it was going to be Quinn regardless, even if the boosters had a say or not. I think you don't, I think the mindset is you don't get a transfer like Quinn and not start him, but you have to like consider Mm -hmm. what he had been doing for the past year, two, two, years technically because he kind of like or no i guess a year and a half either way he hadn't played football since his junior year of high school goes to ohio state basically just stands there for on the sidelines probably doesn't get any meaningful practice reps and then transfers which he's still supposed to be a senior during his time at ohio state comes to texas as what would be a true freshman and kind of gets thrust into a starting role when he hadn't played any meaningful football in over a year and i think we Mm -hmm. saw that at many, there's the TCU game, the Oklahoma State game, when teams were really dialed in on like making his life difficult, he did not know what to do. Um, and I think, which this is the criticism of him. I don't mind his like lackadaisical vibe. Um, I think that's kind of the criticism. Every time we watched a game, the sideline reporter is like, it doesn't seem like he cares. It's like, well, he's just a calm guy. But I do think it's important to see him taking a leadership role because as much as I was anti this rumor, Arch Manning will be on campus, and I don't think Quinn played well enough this year to be to like secure the job. Like I think he will have to mm-hmm. at least show himself a little bit in spring. And so I think him stepping up as a leader that gives him advantage. Him having this extra year gives him an advantage. Um, I was interested to see no Jaden Blue at running back, but yeah, overall solid solid game for Texas. I think they kind of learned a lot about themselves um what their weaknesses are um it just it's just unfortunate that they learned the most about themselves in the last game of the season so they do not have a chance to recuperate and bounce back but 
any final things to add on about the Texas game before we move on to the lovely playoff games we got going on today? I just want to give credit to Washington and their head coach. Um, he coached circles around Sark. Um, and they're going to be a problem next year. Michael Penix is a dog. Um, that defense, that scheme is really, really good. And you and being in Pac-12 country has a lot to deal with because, I mean, the Pac-12 is going to be, I think, the second best conference in college football next year if that's a bold take. I See, I, I'd go bolder and say it might even be the best. Um, in terms of, like, from top to bottom, that it's going to be unreal. I think this year kind of mm-hmm. showed it, too. And I think when you look at the records of the Pac-12, it kind of, like, waters down this argument but the issue it's the big 12 has the same issue it's just usually there's one team that's able to pull through the pac 12 everybody plays each other for the most part um if they don't all the all the good teams still play each other and so they beat up on each other and so that kind of hurts the the conferences yeah. like the people who wake up at 9 30 a.m on a sunday and be like uh Washington lost. Maybe they weren't that good. It's like, no, they were. They just they had one slip up and then they're gonna go play the other top teams. Um, yeah, I think the Pac twelve will be from top to bottom the best conference. And I don't how much how much stake do you put into conferences um overall record in bowl games? Absolutely nothing, to be honest. Okay. I think it's um, in, I think it's interesting. I don't think it like means it is, much. but I don't think it's the biggest deal in the world. I think I think the Pac-12 the Pac- is putting on a strong performance in terms of like conference or bowl game performances. I do think I don't think it's like the strongest metric out there. I think it's just like an mm-hmm. interesting one. Um, but it is kind of funny to see people who don't watch Pac-12 football watch their favorite team lose to Pac-12 teams because <laughs> it's like they're yeah. like, oh, this team's not very good. It's like, well, the Pac-12's lost one bowl, two bowl games now. Um, UCLA's game is terrible. Um, but yeah, I think. The Pac-12, like you said, going to be very good next year. Um, they realistically, if they don't get in the way of each other, they could probably get two playoff teams in. It would take a, like a lot to happen where they would both. Ooh, that's a that's a bold take, but I'm just saying I, I would have to look at the schedule because I'm looking at USC, Washington, Oregon. I think are the realistic teams, um, mm-hmm. and I'm pretty sure Oregon and Washington play each other, and so they would need yeah someone needs to like win out. Or they both need to win out during the regular season. I don't know if that's possible because they all might play each other. And then the winner of the conference championship obviously obviously makes it. But that'd be that'd be pretty crazy from going because they haven't had a playoff team since Washington, which was I want to say like 2015, yeah. 2016. So it's been a minute. Yep. Or 2017. Either way, Jake Browning. 2017. They went up against Bama. It did not go well. It did not. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think I think the Pac-12 will be really good next year. The Big 12 is going to be good next year too. I think the new teams kind of add a a cool little twist to everything that we'll see um, in Big 12 country. Oh, absolutely. Um, enough about these teams not in the playoff though. Let's talk about the teams in the college football playoff. Uh, we have two games today, obviously, starting off at 1 p.m. my time, uh, 4 p.m. East Coast time, and 3 p.m. Central time. I think like two mountain time i don't know why that's a thing but mm-hmm. um it's a thing <laughs> we have tcu taking on michigan in the verbo fiesta bowl also before we start thoughts on the modernizations of the the bowl game logos i hate it bring back the old logos the old fiesta bowl logo is one of the just more beautiful pieces of art in our time and it's a shame that it's gone and they've gone through like 15 different sponsors since then um tostitos needs to come back and 
do their yeah. job and take their to- whole game. Tostitos and Fiesta just goes together. I, I don't even I don't even know yeah. what Vermo is or VRBO. I don't know what that is. Yeah. I don't care. Um, first off, who do you think wins? And what do you think TCU needs to do to win? Because I feel like you're going to go Michigan. <laughs> I do think Michigan pulls it out late. Yep. Um, the running game, um, JJ McCarthy is going to take care of the ball. He should at least. He's proven that. And they're going to they're they're every year like every Michigan game this season they're kind of close to halftime. They pull away. And most TCU games they're kind of down at halftime, and then they kind of force themselves to come back. So it kind of plays an interesting element there. I do think Michigan's defense is going to force Max, Max Duggan to make some throws that he's not capable of. You saw everyone gives him all this credit for how he played in the Big 12 championship game, even though for 85% of that game, he kind of played like dog crap, if we're Ooh. being real. It's true. It's true. Yeah. Uh, Michigan's going to force him to throw the football, and that's something I'm not sure he's super comfortable doing. It's going to put a lot of pressure on Quentin Johnson to make some plays on the outside, which Quentin Johnson's a dog. He can do that, but – I don't know if one player on the outside is going to be able to beat them like they should. Yeah, I think the I like that you touched on the TCU's first half uh, struggles because I found an interesting stat. They average 18 and a half of their 30. They average nearly 40 points and 18 of those come in the first half. So that means they're literally just mm-hmm. pouring it on in the second half when it gets when they have to. Um, we saw it against Kansas State the first time they were able to come back. And then the second time they obviously were not. Um, I. Two, I'm going Michigan. I think, like you said, if TCU falls behind, that's Michigan's game right there. Uh, Michigan's probably not going to let them touch the ball. Um, even without Blake mm-hmm. Corum, their they're backup running back, um, his name is slipping my mind right now. Um, Donovan Edwards. Donovan Edwards, thank you. He, he, You would have thought he was the Heisman favorite or the Heisman contender. Yeah. Um, if you watch the big game and the Big Ten championship, like he hasn't skipped a beat. It's like Blake Corum who? Like this guy is – just as good as Blake Corum. And I think if Michigan is up by 10 or more at half, I think TCU loses this game. If it's like TCU's tied or even has a lead, I think TCU could realistically win. Um, For such a dynamic offensive team, they really like to not be dynamic in the first half. It's really interesting. Um, Quinton Johnson, though, I think is the X factor. Um, Him and Kendrick Miller. Those two, I think Max Duggan is going to struggle because everybody struggles against Michigan's defense. And so it's going to be, can Quentin Johnson make a big grab? Can Kendra Miller kind of, he he's a spark plug. I think he'll bust off a 40 yard run without, without you even realizing. Um, so yeah, I'm, I think we're both confident in Michigan there. Um, as I'm checking the odds, Alabama's currently down 10 on 10, zero to Kansas state. They obviously don't. Oh, wow. They just scored. Never mind. ESPN just lied to me. They don't care though. <laughs> um, can't wait for that narrative. Um, betting wise, I got I got to hit you with the the whole slate of questions. First of all, over under fifty seven and a half. Michigan is. I'm taking the I, under for this game. I was gonna say Michigan has had the under hit in majority of their games. Um, even despite their offense being very good, I think sometimes they're just comfortable with getting like a two touchdown lead and just running the ball down down the other opponent's throat. Okay, so we're both going under. It's at 57 and a half, which honestly that's that means the game's going to be around the 25 to 21 range. Um yeah, if not that feels about right. Yeah, okay. And then 
the spread. Um, TCU's plus seven and a half, Michigan minus seven and a half. This is a tricky one. I think mm-hmm. honestly, that little T- half point hook there, the touchdown. Yeah, I think TCU could cover if it's at this right here because they're probably going to. But I'm going to fall take behind. Michigan. They're going to fall behind, and then they're going to br- make it close at the end and lose by like seven or six. Yeah. So you're you're going. Um, I'm going to go Michigan by ten. I think oh. it'll be a close competitive game, but I'm going to go Michigan by ten. Okay. Um, did you like Sonny Dykes' shot at the SEC in the Citadel? Oh, absolutely. I think as a college football fan, no one wants to watch SEC teams play the Citadel, even though they kind of cut astray there for them. Um, play <laughs> the Citadels. Their scare um, came out of nowhere, though. They were like, we're not scared yeah. of anyone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, yeah. And Sonny Dykes' point on, I mean, the fact that, well, he shouldn't be talking too much because TCU did not play anybody non-conference. They just didn't play anybody in September compared to November. Yes. But the fact that TCU went from week three of the college football season all the way through the Big 12 championship without a bye week was incredibly tough. For them to go undefeated through that stretch was impressive. I don't know who scheduled that. The Big 12 must have had it out for them when they did that. But um, it was a great job by them. And I think this extra – Break is going to get Quentin Johnson healthy. It's going to keep Max Duggan healthy and a few of those defensive players healthy. And TC is going to – they're going to look like themselves in November rather than that Kansas State and Baylor game where they kind of struggled. Yeah, I think by the end of their season, which I can't blame them, they were just limping to the finish line. Like It was like this guy's banged up, this guy's banged up, this guy also banged up. Um, Those early – I don't think a bye week should come before week five. If we're being honest, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's feasible, but it needs to be because like yeah. Stanford had a week two by week. So they played Colgate, had a bye week, then played USC and then had 11 games straight of just pure no, chaos. That's not fair to the kids. Like, yeah, no, it was pure chaos. Um, So do you have any prop bets that you would like for this one? Like if there was a Quinton Johnson uh, touchdown bet are you taking that max max duggan over under 50 yards rushing would you take that i kind of like quentin johnson as the x factor in this game like you said i think a lot of the offense is going to have to be forced through him because tcu is not going to or michigan is not going to let max duggan's legs and kendra miller beat him mm-hmm. and quentin johnson has the ability to make plays on the outside against that michigan secondary so i'd say i don't know what the prop bet is for quentin johnson mm-hmm. touchdowns i think he'll score at least one maybe two so okay. that's something I'd look at for sure. Over under, JJ McCarthy pointing at the sideline three times because Sonny Dyke said they want him to throw the ball, like doing like a little, maybe like a point or like a a celebration towards a TCU because Sonny Dyke said they want him to throw the ball. Oh, I could see that. He's gonna hit like a mean check down that's gonna go eighty five yards for a touchdown. He's gonna point <laughs> at Sonny Dyke's neck like he did that. <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna be like that scene in Coach Carter. I did that. I did that. Yeah. Uh, like Donovan Edwards is gonna be out of breath on the sidelines and JJ is <laughs> gonna be rubbing it in Sonny Dyke's face. Like it's gonna be something like that. Yeah, I, those are the kind of prop bets I like. Um over under two references to Max Duggan being benched by his father in high school. Ooh, that's a good one. I'm gonna go over because they're gonna they're gonna talk about it pregame. Then he's gonna struggle in the end of the first half. They're gonna bring it back up, and then he's gonna start leading a little comeback. And they're gonna be like, "This is why he shouldn't have benched him." And then there's your three. 
there we go i like it i like it um that's like the sam ellinger uh little texas picture that they played every game that is the max yeah. Duggan oh my gosh where it's, where it's like even his own dad benched him in high school it's like okay here we go again it's like, can we find a different storyline um heisman finalist max duggan we're t- still talking about his high school benching have some respect um moving he had on open to- heart surgery like two weeks before a season oh. and played like <laughs> Over under five mentions on that one. I think I'd go under five, but I think it'll be like four. It's I yeah. Think, it's when I do mention it, it'll be a it'll be a long story because I have that little ESPN clip it on it. Yeah, I was gonna say they're gonna focus like a whole drive on it or like a whole like timeout. Um, <laughs> oh gosh, not the storyline. The storyline should be a prop out of their own. Um, Max Duggan is like the storyline quarterback. Like, yeah, everything he's done is just. You like, don't stuff. watch him play. You're like, all right. But I love Max Duggan. I think he's a great dude, great competitor. But I, I actually had to issue him a little much. I had to issue an apology to Max Duggan. Um, not really him, just like I was being a hater in years past. I called him mm-hmm. a poor man, Sam Ellinger. I because at times he was, you know, he couldn't throw that well. True. Um, he played a lot like Sam, and Sam was a better version. And now Max Duggan is out here balling. Um, who knew Sonny Dykes, an offense where he has to throw the ball more, would be the key to Max Duggan's success? I don't know. Um, was wasn't on my bingo card. I figured him throwing the ball more mm-hmm. would equal more bad things, but that's just me using the transitive property, and the transitive property failed me. <laughs> um, the other game, which is four hours later, um, wherever wherever your time zone is, I'm not doing a time zone calculation again. It's at five p.m. my time. That's all I care. Um, Ohio State, the four seed, who barely squeaked in, um, taking on number one Georgia. Georgia's favored by five and a half points currently. Um, Georgia's looking to go back to back. They also have a Heisman finalist. Um, every team, well, except for Michigan, because the running back kind of got snubbed, but he wasn't. Mm-hmm. If he was going to make it, then Bijan should have made. It. There's a whole thing there. But three out of the four teams have a Heisman finalist, which I think is pretty crazy. Um, Ohio State, Georgia. What are you looking out for? Who do you think is winning? All that jazz. So I do think if anyone in the country, playoff, non-playoff can beat Georgia it's probably Ohio State they have the receivers on the outside they have the skill makers or skill players at the um, positions of need to kind of get to that Georgia defense because Michigan's gonna Michigan and TC are gonna line it up right at them and try to run down their throat and it's just not gonna work Ohio State can make it happen you saw Kent State kind of do it um, by getting the ball to the outside making plays they kind of scored on Georgia a little bit even though that's Kent State CJ Stroud is the best quarterback in the playoff in my opinion okay so um, if I they can read. get the ball out quick, uh, Marvin Harrison and Buka, they can make some serious plays and score on Georgia. I am worried about Ohio State's defense stopping Georgia running the ball. I feel like Georgia can run the ball and just dink and dunk on them all the game and just kind of keep the ball away from Stroud. Yeah. But I do think this is going to be a close game. I liked Ohio State on the line until it kind of moved to five and a half. It opened at, I think, seven and a half, I believe. So it's gone down. Um. The, and no, I do think whoever wins this game will win the national championship. Oh, you, they're they're going straight from Chick Fil A to the, the Natty, just straight dub. Love yep. that. Um, I I think the odds makers were kind of feeling the odds makers, and this is why you need to hop on bets at the beginning of the week. Um, the best bet is typically at the beginning of the week in terms of value. Mm-hmm. Um, once it gets closer to the game, it gets like really terrible, and every time it gets smaller, it just worries me about everything, and I start contemplating like. Everything I thought before, like, must be wrong. Like, I'm like, they must know something because they do. They do. Um, yeah. I worry about CJ Stroud, who 
I do think he's the best quarterback in the playoff right now. Um, this Georgia defense is they're the second in terms of points given up. I think they only give up like 12 and a half ish, um, which is second in the country. And they're very good at getting to the quarterback. And CJ Stroud is very bad when defenses get to him. He completes just 41, basically 42% of his passes when he's under pressure. And I think it's all good and fine for them to get the ball to the outside. But I do think that the Ohio state offensive line needs to give Stroud that time. Um, he can move, but he's not going to like, he's not Lamar Jackson or he's not um, Josh Allen by any means. Like he, he, he wants to move in the pocket. Like he's not trying to run for a hundred yards on anybody. And so that worries me in terms of Ohio state. We actually, my co-host Sergio picked Ohio state to win the national championship in August. And so mm-hmm. he is firmly still holding on to the fact that they could beat Georgia. And I do think if there was a team, it would be them. Um, would you would you be more interested in a Georgia-Michigan national championship or a Ohio State-Michigan national championship? Absolutely, Ohio State-Michigan. I mean, one of the best rivalries in sports in the national championship would be amazing. Mm-hmm. I also think Georgia is – or Michigan and Georgia – that's a scary matchup for Michigan, just play style wise. You saw it last year. I mean, Michigan had no shot as soon Georgia, as they stepped on the field. Like Georgia does everything against Georgia, yeah, but better. <laughs> yeah, and Georgia's it's, like it, it's unreal. And I think going back to like Georgia's like eliteness, like when they played Oregon Week One, we all thought Oregon was terrible. Like everybody was like, mm-hmm. Oregon is probably the worst team in the Pac-12. Not really, but that was kind of the vibes we were getting. It was like, Oregon yeah. is a bad football team. It's like, turns out Georgia's just really good. Uh, I think Georgia fell asleep during the season. Don't get me wrong. Um, mm-hmm. I think they had a little winter hangover, like in the middle, like weeks, like eight through maybe like 11-ish, where they just had games that were really close that should have been. Like, I'm looking at their schedule right now. Florida played them pretty close until the end. I feel like... Um, they had that Kentucky game where they won sixteen to six. I definitely feel oh, like nasty game. Yeah, that was an ugly game to watch. Um, there, there was just moments like obviously you look at the final score and it's like they did well. Like they only beat Missouri by four, and I'm pretty sure that was a chaotic game mm-hmm. of like Missouri missing kicks and stuff, was it not? Um, or the fumble yeah. of the. Yeah, so I think Georgia kind of had a few wake up calls. They finally made it, and now. They're ready. Um, whether or not they'll win, I don't know. Um, going through the gambling stuff now, we already talked about, touched on it. Five and a half um, is the spread. Georgia is the seventy. Everybody's picking Georgia to cover. I don't know. I feel like I'd feel more comfortable if it was at, like you said, seven and a half or whatever it was at the beginning of the week, because mm-hmm. um, that gives Ohio State some room to kind of fall behind and come back a little bit. Five and a half is really close, and I. I feel like Georgia wins or whoever wins, I think will be by a couple touchdowns. Cause I do think there's going to be turnovers and there's going to be quick touchdowns. Um, so I, I don't, I don't like this line at all. This would be a stay away line for me personally. Yeah. Um, I guess if I had to pick, I'd probably just pick Georgia. Just, I feel like that feels safe. I'm gonna go the opposite. Um, I've kind of been trending, liking more, more of a house state as we get closer to this game. So I'm going to pick with them to cover. I don't think they win, but I think I think they give them a really good game. Um, best test they've had all season. Um, I think Ryan Stroud's going to make enough fired. plays. If if they lose, does Ryan they get fired? <laughs> Absolutely. 
Ohio yeah. State fans annoy the crap out of me because <laughs> I would kill for a season like them, and they want their coach gone. Like, come on now. The Urban Chancer, com- the Whispers. Urban's coming back, baby. Um, yeah, Ohio State, I definitely think of any of the teams that has the most to prove, I would say it's them. Um, mm-hmm. Of the three teams in the cultural ball playoff, I would say they're the least deserving. Um, there was even speculation that a two-loss Alabama team would get in over them. Uh, Tennessee, had they not lost to South Carolina, probably would have got in. Yeah, absolutely. And so they're kind of like... It kind of reminds. It actually reminds me of the first year they were in the playoff because I don't think they won the the Big Ten championship that year either. I think it was Penn State. They did. Okay, there was there was a year they won it, but they lost to Virginia Tech early. That's what it was. They were kind of behind that TCU Baylor co champion deal. The co champion deal that was ultimately kept them out of the playoff because they did not have a Big Twelve championship, right? And so I think it reminds me of that situation where Ohio State has a lot to prove, and whether they prove it or not, or not, I don't know. they last year in the Rose Bowl, they like really clutched up against a really good Utah team, and Utah yeah. had like everybody. And I know Utah's not very comparable to Georgia in terms of like how elite they are, but they have a good defense, solid offense, and so I think it'll be interesting. Over under sixty two and a half. Um, Ohio, if I'm if I remember what I read correctly, Ohio State's over has been hitting like nonstop. Um, let me see if I can find it. You think they're hitting the over? That puts it at a yeah. I like the over. I think it'll be a about thirty five, thirty type game. So I'm gonna say slightly over. Okay. Um, and I also think there is a scenario where Georgia just kind of runs away with it, and then Ohio State makes a big comeback, kind of like the LSU um, SEC championship game last um, last. I guess that was a few weeks ago now. Yeah, um, last month that was 50 to 30 so that was a lot of points yeah um, i could see a game kind of going like that or if ohio state can move the ball and score like they have all season granted that's mm-hmm. gonna be tough against georgia georgia's yeah. gonna be able to score right back because i like how they match up against that ohio state defense i got some over some things that would make you want to lean for the over ohio state is not the over is nine and one in ohio state's last 10 and the over is six and oh in Ohio State's last six games against winning teams. So obviously they could put points up. Um, Now for the random prop bets that I'm making up. Will the video of Marvin Harrison Jr. using the jug machine in the hotel lobby make the game? Will that be on the broadcast? Absolutely. And I'd be willing to say it's going to go in the first few drives. Okay. Um, I think he'll have a couple catches early and they're going to – ESPN's going to go straight to that. Okay. Um, Over under – Stetson Bennett being the backup transferring to a Juco and then winning the starting job over under four times mentioned. Even though this has been played about a hundred times in every single one of Georgia's games for his entire 20 year college career, I think it's going to be an easy over here because that's a storyline everyone loves, even though we all know it by now and he needs to go get a job. (laughs) Dude's like 27. Um, Over under three JT Daniels strays. (laughs) Ooh, I'm going to say two. Okay. I think it'll be like right around when they talk about, um, when he took over the starting job last year. Mm -hmm. And then I think, I feel like there's going to be like a, I don't know who's calling the game, but I feel like there's going to be a, a subtle comment about JT Daniels being at rice now. 
Um, and I just I just feel like the strays might come in. I I feel like there's potential to hit the over there. Um, what else is a good one for this game? Over under just three mentions of Georgia's defense last year and how good this defense is this year, even though they lost everyone. Oh, that's going to be a solid over, um, <laughs> especially if they play well. Yeah. Or if they play bad, because they're going to be like, oh, they lost everybody, so this is an excuse. That's, kind of, excuse but. That's, a, that's the line. Every time Georgia plays well on defense, they're like, it's so amazing. They lost everyone to the NFL. And it's like, mm-hmm. okay. Well, I mean, they recruit nothing but five stars. I would hope so that these kids are good. Um, over under two Keely Ringo interceptions. Two? Nice. Two. Uh, I'm feeling risky on that. I don't know if I take the over, but I feel like that is a risk. Maybe one and a half. Um, I'm I'm gonna go under. I don't think I think Stroud's gonna play well today. Even though I'm a certified Stroud hater, I think he's gonna play well today. Okay, and then going to the Twitterverse, over under ten thousand Stequavius Bennett tweets. Hopefully under, because I'm tired of that, to be honest. I like Stetson. I think it's a cool underdog story. Like, it feels like a lot of people, like, him getting a Heisman finalist when he's, is he, like, real talk, do you think he's a top 10 player on Georgia? On Georgia? Oof. He's um, on team. If he's not, he's probably, like, 12. But it, it's like a... You can make an argument. <laughs> like, yeah, you, you probably go. You got off the top of my head. You got Ringo. Um, honestly, Jill Brock Carter, Bowers, Bowers, Darnell Washington. I, I like McConkey. I don't. I I am fully on yeah. McConkey's brain. Love that kid. Um, Malachi Starks. Like, yeah, Malachi Starks, Johnson, the linebacker. Honestly, the whole linebacker core is better than him. Um, I would yeah. say. Three fourths of their secondary is probably better. Yeah, that's that's a good. Honestly, that's a good question that I haven't heard posed. But yeah, I I don't even think he was like when Heisman finalist. I think he just happened to be there by default. I don't know. I think yeah, they just, just he was the quarterback of a winning team. Like yeah, should have been Hendon Hooker. Justice for Hendon. Um, yeah, I totally for Hendon Hooker. Okay, so now we so you picked Ohio State to win, or did you go Georgia? I'm gonna go Georgia to win. Ohio State to cover. Okay. Um, who do you think has a better chance of winning it all, Georgia or the field? That question was posed to me on a podcast earlier this week. And I think even though it's a strong field, um, this is probably the most balanced uh, playoff we've had uh, possibly ever. Um, I don't really know mm-hmm. if there's maybe the one where Trevor Lawrence played Ohio State a couple of years ago. Um, that one was decently balanced. I don't think whoever – who did they end up – who was the other two teams? Uh, Bama played Notre Dame in the semis. And okay. They, they, Notre they Dame was like the odd man out. But, but the three other yeah. teams were all very, very good. Um, I think this is the most balanced one we've had. Um, really good for the sport, especially with all this conference realignment stuff happening. Um, none of these schools in none of the schools in the playoff are actually involved in conference realignment. Um, well, they're at least they're not the ones moving. So that's kind of cool. Um, mm-hmm. But the field is this is the best field I think we've had. So. Georgia or the field? I think it's Georgia, and it is one of the most balanced fields we've had. But I just think as soon as Georgia walks on the field, there's a athletic, there's a physical superiority over everybody there. Like it's not even close. 
Like, it looks like a professional team compared to when TCU or Michigan walks on the field with them. Ohio State has the NFL talent on the outside and the quarterback position. But in the trenches, Georgia's just dominant, and they've kind of showed that all year. The fact that they've sleptwalked to a couple yeah. wins doing that shows yeah. that how much better they are than everybody else. Exactly. Um, I also like to point out the game is played in Atlanta. Um, it's going to be a lot of red, oh, and it's going to be Georgia red, not Ohio, not whatever Ohio State calls their red. I don't know. I don't want to get into the colors of college football because everybody has a, a specific shade of red or whatever that they claim. Mm-hmm. Um Oh gosh, I forgot another prop. Over under two mentions of CJ Stroud being lightly recruited, even though he was a four star that won the lead eleven MVP. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna say under because the lightly recruitedness is gonna go to Stetson Bennett over CJ Stroud in this that's particular matchup. But yeah, if Ohio true. State does play Michigan in the championship and five star JJ McCarthy walks out there, there's gonna be a lot of that Stroud talk. Yeah. The under recruited dude had like 20 offers okay um either way that that's just a tangent for another day so you're taking georgia over the field i also am taking georgia over the field um what is the most surprising realistic because obviously we could just be like tcu ohio state what do you think is the most surprising championship possible championship or championship result result or not just matchup we'll go matchup or you can okay. do it. Well, I think it would. Ball. I mean, it's the easiest answer, but I think TCU, Ohio State, I think it would require TCU to make enough big plays because their offense is a little reliant on big plays. Um, to And they're going to have to force a few turnovers and have a few bounces their way to beat Michigan, quite honestly. Yeah. Um, but that could happen. And Ohio State's going to need a lot of the same. They're going to have – I mean, CJ Stroud's going to have to play almost perfect in this game for them to even have a fighter's chance. Hmm. And yeah. – if that game does happen and TCU has a like a real shot to win, beat Ohio State in my opinion, based on what we've seen this year, and a TCU national championship following a four and eight season under Gary Patterson would be unheard of in this level of college football. Oh yeah, a Ross- I think it would be great for the sport. I would hate it as a Texas fan, but yeah, I okay, you're you're gonna hate me for this. I am I am in the market for a hypno toad hoodie. I'm just gonna put that out there. I love the hypnotoad, the little frog. Oh, I, I respect swag, and they have it because the hypnotoad's cool. And all their little meme videos they make after they beat someone's awesome. I love it. Yes, um, that's what I'm here for. I love love the pettiness. Um, I'm I'm pro petty. Yeah, um, always pro petty. I think always pro petty. The most see, I don't know. TC probably matches up best out of all these four teams with Ohio State. I think they're probably mm-hmm. the. I don't know if it's going to be a game that TCU would want to be in because it'll probably turn into a shootout. And I would say Ohio State's weapons are just better. And so I think that would be hard for TCU. Um, I think realistically, the most interesting matchup we could get here is probably Michigan-Ohio State. Um, two 100%. four. Um, that would be insane. Uh, the The big game was the most watched game of any game in any college football game this season. And they had, I think it was 17 and a half million eyes on the screens during that game. And so I feel like this would be like probably 25, 30 million eyes on screens and the big 10 in route to destroying the PAC 12, taking USC and UCLA would be 
would have quite the claim to being the strongest conference in the in the country right now. Obviously, I don't think they are, but that would be quite the claim to have their two best teams battling out in the championship. Um, what's a matchup that you least likely, at least, are wanting to see? Like you don't want to. It's probably the most likely matchup, and I w- and it's going to be Georgia Michigan because mm-hmm. we saw that last year, and it was just beyond awful. Michigan does not have the playmakers on the outside to keep up with Georgia. They don't, I mean, their running game's great, but Georgia's not going to let them run the football. And I don't think, I I think if anyone's least capable of beating Georgia, it's Michigan, but they might be the second best team, if that makes any sense. Oh, this is all matchups. It's not really like if Michigan say, say Ohio state got the three, um, they don't do that because they don't want repeat matches in the semifinal. Mm -hmm. Or yeah. Um, if Ohio State got Michigan, I think they would easily win with flying colors again. Or maybe they don't, and they Ohio State gets through. But Michigan does not match up well with Georgia. They match up with the two other teams very well. Um, TCU is kind yeah. of like, we're going to see how smart it is for TCU to stick to their three-three-five offense or defense today um, because Michigan is going to try to run it down their throats. And if if it works, it works. If it doesn't, Michigan is – you don't want to play Michigan's game because as soon as you start playing their game, you lost. Um, real, yeah, realistic. Because they're, they're damn good at it. Um, also, this is a, a coach prop. Does Garrett Riley get a head coaching job after this, after the playoff? Ooh. I don't think so. I think he's going to stay at TCU for one more year. Okay. Or I think, potentially. I think if there's more theoretical. Opens. I haven't heard anything. Okay. Bill O'Brien leaves leaves somewhere else. He either gets fired, finds another job. Saban doesn't want Patriots him anymore. Kinda, Patriots want him back. This is a rumor. There you go. And Garrett Riley reportedly said no to A&M, which I think was a great decision. But if Alabama comes calling and he has a chance to go over there, I think it's a good call. But ultimately, I think he'll stay at TCU. He knows Chandler Morris is going to be there next year. They're bringing in some good transfers. And it's, it's, a, lot of, it's a lot of job safety and another year like this he can be right on his way to a head coaching job yeah i think even nine wins next year gets him a head coaching job i think people Absolutely. people want a taste of the riley family i think everybody wants their yeah. own Lincoln riley or garrett riley and i myself was saying that stanford should pursue him even though he has no california mm-hmm. ties um i think a young name like that um worth the risk um channing thank you for joining us on this I guess this will be our final episode of the year 2022, um, unless we yeah. record a midnight episode tonight. No, just kidding. Um, just to update the f- the listeners before we go, Alabama is now up 14 to 10 um, on Kansas State. Iowa is up 14 0 on Kentucky, and what I think they scored probably, 14 points. They did, yeah. That, that wow. over probably offensively. Um, <laughs> let, me, let me check. There's always a possibility. Let's see. Scoring summary, a touchdown pass and a pick six. So one touchdown offensively. (laughs) I knew they couldn't have two. Yeah. Um, Kentucky's quarterback, Destin Wade, is currently 7 of 12 for 45 yards. Electric. Um, Not great. Not great. great. Make sure to watch the college football playoff. Make sure to, if you live in a gambling state or if you don't, make sure to get your bets in. Um, Enjoy the college football playoff. Have a great new year. Thank you for joining. This has been the Tailgate Podcast. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.